Father God, that is our prayer. Lord, don't just raise up our students. Raise us up, God. Let us be passionate about you. May we capture the fullness of who you are and may it change us radically. May we find ourselves uniquely attached to you. And may we never tolerate being lukewarm in our faith. May it sicken us like it sickens you. Let's remind ourselves that that is the very thing that you have called the church against, that lukewarmness. But God, may we be passionate about who you are. May we find ourselves yearning for you like we just sang. May our words not be lies that we sang out, but may they be true of our hearts today. Lord, we want to be captivated by you. Lord, the world doesn't need more lukewarm Christianity. They're yearning for a real Jesus following that shows what it really looks like when people fall desperately in love with a Jesus who saves them despite themselves. So raise us up, God. Remind us, God, the nearness to you is where we must be. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, we've heard the name before of Marco Polo. Maybe, uh, maybe you heard it because you played that in a pool growing up. You know, where one kid closes their eyes and the rest of them move around the pool and they say, Marco, and the kid says, very good. Y'all are awake. That's awesome. Marco Polo may be one of the most famous explorers in history, but he got that bug from his father. You see, when Marco Polo was six, his dad and some other acquaintances went to Mongolia, which is now China. They discovered the area. As they moved around, they ran into the emperor at the time who possessed an interest in Christianity. The emperor begged Marco Polo's dad and his friend to send hundreds of missionaries in to share Christ with those in his, uh, in his circle. And so it took him three years to get back. And in that three years' time when they returned home, they turned around and went two years back there. And they took with them two friars. Not a hundred, two. Because that is all the church could spare. You imagine what history books would look like had a hundred gone back? Had a hundred of these leaders gone back and changed the world two of which they both became discouraged and went home you see this is the heart of the text today that God is calling his church to show up that God is calling his church to send people out and I just want you to capture real quick as discouraging as that little note was there's more than a hundred of you in this room that know Jesus Christ and there is a whole lot less people in Amarillo than there is in China God is sending us God is equipping us to leave this room and to go into the mission field you have all it takes today to go share Christ everything it takes but this world and our city is crying out, Marco! And it's waiting for the church 
to say polo. In today's text, we capture another moment around the dinner table. One that I think has always been perplexing if we're really being honest. You see, it happens in Luke chapter 10 and starts with verse 38. And it just kind of starts right in the middle of a movement. It says, while they were traveling, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who was also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me alone? So tell her to come give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. This moment is, is crazy. It is countercultural. And I want you to capture the fullness of what's really happening in this text. Mary, culturally, is in the wrong. She should have been up helping her sister get everything together because the master came to her house. But she was not doing what culture said she should have been doing. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening in with everybody else. All the other people are gathered around. Jesus is teaching. He's imparting wisdom. And Martha's getting the house put together. She's getting stuff ready to, to serve these men in her home and goes, where's my sister? She looks in there and there's Mary listening. You can almost hear Martha go, psst, psst. Mary, Mary, throwing stuff. Mary, Mary's just entranced. So what does Martha do? Uh, excuse me, Jesus, Uh, can you tell my sister who should be working right now to come on? What are you thinking? Come on. Jesus goes, whoa, 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 whoa. You're missing this moment. You're missing what's really happening here. And she's made the better choice of the two. You're so worried about getting everything put together that you've forgotten who's in your house. So today... I just got to tell you, from my heart, I can remember, and many of y'all may not know this, when I came to Quell Creek, I came as a student pastor. Served in it for five years. Man, I loved our student ministry. There's very few students now left in the pews over there that were in my student ministry. There's a few of you, but not very many. And I started thinking through that. Every year that we went to camp and we came back, I prayed that our pastors would, would preach into my students And then as I became a pastor, it it hit me deeply. We all need what they need to hear. We all needed it. I I prayed passionately that my students would keep the fire going from camp. I prayed for that. God, would you keep them from distractions? God, would would you rid them from all the pressures? But that's the wrong prayer. My prayer should have always been, God, send them into the distraction. And may they capture Jesus in the midst of it. When it comes back, and the world does come back really quick from youth camp, my prayer for our students, you guys, is this. Not that you would, like, avoid the world, but that you would hit the world with Jesus. That you wouldn't, like, run away from all the things that are about to hit you, but that you would capture your moments. That you would see that in the midst of all of the stuff, you can sit at Jesus' feet still. The greatness of youth camp was this. It was the one week I had with students where their cell phones weren't the distraction. Yeah. 
where the television wasn't the distraction, where politics weren't the distraction. It was the one week I had with them where they were focused on praying and seeking God's face and worshiping deeply. I always remembered this, that it was about two to three days in, all of my students started to worship different than they did on Sundays. When the music was there, it was like, for whatever reason, they just detached from what everybody thought and just started to worship deeply. And it just kind of dawns on me, where did we lose that? Do we have to have something special that we begin to worship deeply in Jesus? Or do we have to have something completely different? I mean, does it take us having three nights of coming up here and hearing a different speaker and a different band and different songs for us to finally go, oh, I should be worshiping. You see, this is what happened in this household that day. One woman found culture and she found her distraction and the other one just found Jesus. It's from the doorway to his seat, Mary was there. Martha wasn't. She allowed everything to get in the way of her connection with Christ. So let's start. You and I, we should treasure our opportunities with Jesus. We should treasure them. Here's why. Because those of us that come to his throne weekly get a lot of treasured moments. We soak them up. We experience them deeply. But those that don't experience them often, hope you treasure them while you get them. I tell you, it's difficult for people to break through this moment where they become revival kind of people. Where in everyday moments, they capture times with Jesus. Because there's always something waiting. Distractions occur when our focus is on our tasks rather than our relationships. They come. Our tasks will always drive us to less relationship. It's just what happens. And they come quickly. And they seem sensible. I mean, everything that you can imagine that's asking of you is going to ask more and more of you as time goes on. And Jesus is waiting. And he's talking. And he wants to communicate with you. But at some point, you've got to sit at his feet and listen. This moment, as Jesus comes in and Martha welcomes him, it was planned ahead of time that he was going to be there. He walks into Martha's house. He takes a seat, and she goes, now I'm going to use my gifts. I am the hospitality crew. And she had planned on Mary being a part of that. And she begins her work. And she's doing all these tasks, and she starts to realize, where's Mary? This isn't getting done. And she can hear Jesus talking, but she's not paying attention. She's just doing whatever she can think to do. And so in her work, she's like, I know I'm doing the right things because it seems sensible. It seems right when Jesus is doing the talking, and she's not really listening. How about this for an answer to that? I've always thought this is interesting. Did you know it takes the average human being four times to hear something before it settles in? And in this moment, as Jesus is talking, Mary's soaking up every word she can with him, and Martha's busy at task. How much did she hear? None. Absolutely none of that. How many times have we come to church and kind of 
tuned out the world for a little bit. We said, oh, it's finally church day. It's Sunday. We've gone to our life group, and we, we kind of made our way through. And at the end of it, we go, I don't really know what we talked about in life group. Then you come into church, and you're like, I'm focused. And you sing some songs, and I would dare say probably most of you don't know the songs we just sang now. There's a few of you that might. But probably most of you, if you're being honest right now, you're going, um, I sang that song about the feet of Jesus. Um, do you know what that song was? No, I didn't. And then we come to the text. And most of us, if we're being honest, I grew up a preacher's kid. We can be in full honesty now. Most of us by this afternoon will forget this sermon. It's kind of how things go. You'll leave out a few hours from now. You'll sit there and say, what, what did Kyle preach on today? You'll go, oh, um, uh. Uh, remember he talked about China and those missionaries. I remember that. Um, oh, the video. Remember the video? Yeah, that was good. Uh-huh. We don't capture things. We don't capture moments. We need something to radicalize moments. We, we need something to change us. We need something that captures our attention for a moment. And so that's why when I would take students to camp, we would do things so differently. Uh, things like this. We would say, Hey, in this particular service, we're going to have the students make a motion. We're going to have them walk an aisle to do something because that sticks in your mind. I walked the aisle to do something. It wasn't a salvation moment. It was like a, I'll give you a case in point. Y'all prayed for your friends at camp. Remember that moment? Y'all were asked to kind of think of somebody's name and you came forward and you wrote it on the sticky notes. The reason we plan like that is not because we're trying to deceive you. It sticks with you. You go, I remember walking the aisle. Y'all remember praying and coming and writing your times of when you're going to pray for our church? Times you're going to do battle? You know, the reason we have you walk an aisle and not just come up with it is you remember that. And in this moment, this is a normal day for Martha. She always was preparing something. She was always getting the house ready. But this is not an ordinary day for Mary. Jesus is in the house. And when Jesus shows up, that's a different day. You don't do the same things you've always done. It changes you a little bit. And if you don't capture that, it's not Jesus' fault. It's yours. And at this point, Martha's just busy and she's stressed. And you can just see it because Jesus answers back. You're worried and you're upset about a lot of stuff. And I get it. But Mary's made the better choice. It's not going to be taken away from her. Mary, sit still. Martha, come sit down. In a world full of Marthas, living out their Christian faith in hopes of doing enough to prove that there's something, Jesus is calling us all to be a Mary. Come sit at his feet. Come listen. Really listen. The reason Christianity is so difficult is we rarely sit at Jesus' feet to get instructions. We ruin it because we try and make it what we think it should be. And we mess it up. And we go, Jesus, shouldn't this be easier? And he goes, yeah, yeah, it should. Jesus, shouldn't this, um, shouldn't this work out better? Shouldn't I be sharing my faith more? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you should. But Jesus, you don't know what I'm going through. And he's like, well, yeah, I do. Why don't you sit down for a while and let me teach you? Let me train you. The amazing thing about Jesus is he doesn't teach it, people. He trains them. He equips them. He gives them everything they need. But here's where 
the rubber meets the road. As we go through faith, we will find ourselves uniquely working harder than the next Christian to prove we are more Christian. And what will inevitably happen is this. Complaints will arise. The one thing I know that's consistent about Christianity and faith is complaints inside the Christian family are abundant. And here's why. Because when we complain, the... We feel like we're our, we've heard ourselves the most. We want it our way. We want it done this way. We don't like it that way. It's the same reason that we go and order things differently on our burgers. You know, back in the day when the McDonald's brothers built McDonald's, you didn't have an option of what you wanted on your burger. If you wanted it different, you could take it off. You got the same thing with every burger. If you went up and ordered, they didn't say, what would you not like on your burger? They simply said, here's your burger. And young men and women would open up that burger and they'd take off the pickles and the lettuce and the tomatoes and they'd rub the mustard on their brother or sister and they'd put it back together. Now we live in a different world. I don't know if you've been there lately to the Mickey D's, but you can go up to a screen now and tell them exactly what you want on your burger. You can add them and subtract. You can tell them what kind of bun you want. You can tell them if you want bacon, which is God's blessing on humanity, or not. You can build it all the way you want it, how you want it, the way you want it, because that's how we're built. We like it our way. We, We pride ourselves in our way. And the problem with our way is it's always in competition with Yahweh. It's always the fight, our way versus Yahweh's. And the hardship in that fight is this. We can either do the tasks we feel make us great, or we can sit at the feet of greatness. Let me ask you this. Do you think Mary stayed there for forever? Is she still there? No. Because Jesus then called them to go. And he's going to call you to go. But there's moments that you and I must sit at the feet of Jesus and get instruction for our lives. But when the complaints arise, they arise because... We feel like we're in the right. You imagine going to Jesus and giving him instruction? I mean, just Jesus appears in your living room and you go, okay, Jesus, here's the thing. (laughs) Like everything about you except the following five things, and here they are. I don't like. You imagine doing that? That's what happened in the household this day. Martha was so busy in her tasking that she forgot that the master was in her house. Um, Jesus, excuse me, would you stop for a second? I need you to tell my sister to get up instead of listen to you. And Jesus goes, Martha. He says her name twice. I think I know why, but I can't prove this. You ready for the Kylenthian version? You ready? Kylenthian. I think she kept complaining. Martha. Martha. He's like, I know that you're wound up. I I mean, we can all hear it, Martha. But you've missed the point. I'm not in anybody else's house but yours right now. You should be with Mary. Our complaints. When we complain the most when our focus is on anything but Jesus. We will complain our most when our focus is on anything but Jesus. Jesus. 
Here's the problem with complaints. Complaints and praise both have choruses. Complaints and praises both have choruses. You get to determine which one you're going to sing. Complaints or praise. You see, there was two choruses being sung in this household that day. One was the complaint song. The other was praises. I don't think Martha had any clue the timetable that was before her. I don't think at this point in history anybody kind of got that Jesus was on a timetable. That ultimately his life was leading to a cross, towards death, towards resurrection. Even though he tells his disciples it a lot, none of them kind of capture uh, exactly what's going to take place. But maybe if Martha knew that she had a limited time with Jesus, she would be a little bit more observant. Or maybe if she thought that Jesus' words were really important for her, she would have stopped and listened. But what it does say is this, but Martha was distracted by her many tasks. She was distracted. I don't think that this was a large house. I don't think it's like she was in the kitchen and they were in the living room kind of thing. I think they're in the same room. You ever been in the same room while you're trying to talk and somebody's doing something else? Isn't that awesome? You're like, I, usually it's with your kids. Let's just be honest. You're like, stop that. Sit down. And they're like, my bad, you know. You can just see it, right? Jesus talking, and they all know that Martha's moving around. Mary knows that Martha's moving around. But she's the only distracted one in the room. And in this moment, her complaints just kept rising up in her head. Lord, you should do something about them. Lord, you should smite them. Lord, you got to step in at some point and do something about this so she just can't help it. Jesus, you tell my sister to get to work. Jesus is like, whoa, you're missing it. You're missing these moments. By the way, we missed this moment. You ever read what Jesus is saying? Doesn't say it in my Bible, does it say it in yours? We don't capture what Jesus was talking about. We just told the disciples what Mary got to hear. What we do know is this, that in that moment, what we get from the writer is this. Martha was distracted. Let me ask you a question. What's distracting you today? What's distracting you? We can't get out of this world. It's what we're in. God's called us to it. God called you to this city. God called you to your work. God called you to this time. If he didn't want you here and now, he'd make you somewhere else then. But you're here right now. But anything directed outside of Jesus will fail. What's your aim today? What's your goal today? What are you seeing out there? Are there people that are lost? I live right down the block. And in my short drive to the church on Sunday mornings, I see my neighbors mowing their yard. They see me too. It's awkward. They know where I'm preaching at. They see me walk to the church a lot. They know what I do for a living. And I know what they expect from me. They expect the pastor glare, the self-righteous nod, the 
Martha responds. But you know what I'm focused on on Sundays? Not preaching. It's not what I focus on. I focus on this moment before I even enter this room. Where I'm in my office and I'm worshiping Jesus. I have a list of songs I listen to. Some YouTube videos I watch that are worshipful. And I prepare my heart. And in that moment, I just ask God, can I just sit at your feet for a little bit? Can I have a moment with you where we can just be together? Because when I step on the stage, I don't want them to hear from me. They don't need more Kyle. I can't do anything for you. The best I can do is talk. You need Jesus, and that's what I want him to be. I want you to see him. I want you to experience him. I want you to see him from his feet. Last week we talked about a woman who is the known woman in town. Broken, known as an adulteress, who comes into the Pharisee's home and weeps at Jesus' feet and brushes his hair with uh, his feet with her hair and breaks a perfume over his feet. And today we see Mary at Jesus' feet once again, listening to what he has to say. The call of a Christian is this. Do you want Jesus for his stuff? Do you just want Jesus for his stuff? Because that's not faith. Nor is it sacrifice of self. We don't come to Jesus for his stuff. We come to Jesus because he's merciful. We come to Jesus because he allows us to. We come to Jesus because he is the only way we've got to go to be with the Father. So let me take you back to Marco Polo's dad. What would it look like to know that there is a continent waiting for missionaries? And on that three-year trek back to their, their cities, just going, can you believe this? We're going to get to take missionaries to Mongolia. We're going to get to do that. We've explored all this land, and you and I get to take missionaries back with us. That excitement, that passion, that moment of going, man, can you believe it? And walking in and sitting before the Pope and saying, we get to send missionaries to Mongolia. They want us there. And them going, yes, this is awesome. Yes, here's two. Start your trek back. And a boat ride that had such victory became a return visit with two. What about the leader of Mongolia who asked for a hundred and was sent two? You just imagine his seat that day, thinking, they can't even send a hundred. Is this really real then, if all they can send is two? Our city is dying and spending eternity separated from God. Today we have neighbors and coworkers and classmates that do not know the way, the truth, and the life in their lives. Today they are going to spend an eternity separated from Jesus and from God because there is no one speaking the gospel to them. We can no longer sit back and go, someone else will go. We are the boat. We are the boat. And Amarillo is waiting 
Will we take Jesus with us? And I can tell you how I know you will. If in this next few moments you will sit at his feet. If in these next few moments you will really pay attention to Jesus. If in these next few moments you will capture what he really has to say and will rid yourself of the distractions. It is not okay to just check off another Sunday in your list. Today is the day to be changed by the presence of Christ. And he is in the house. So, I'm just going to invite you right into our time of invitation. Grant, why don't you and your team come? <coughs> Listen, when we come to times of invitation, my prayer is always the same. That people would come to know Christ. That people would repent of their sins. If they are in Christ, that they will have radical moments where they say, Lord, I don't want to live in sin any longer. I want a reconnection with you. So I repent of my sin. That in this time of, of, of invitation that people would say, you know what? I want to be a part of a place like Quell Creek. I pray for that. Because I really believe that church is meaningful. And I believe that when you show up, you should be known and accountable. And I always pray this. I always pray this. That maybe if you are a follower of Jesus and you've not been obedient. Not been obedient in baptism, not been obedient in faith, that you would repent of that as well. That you'd make it known that you want to make steps towards him. My next step today will be this. Here in a few moments, we're going to stand, we're going to pray. You're going to hear worship going on. It's going to be a time for a response. What if today was not a normal end of a Sunday? What if it wasn't a time to start thinking about where you're going to go to lunch or putting yourself up appropriately? What if today was a time of worship at the feet of Christ? What if you would spend these next few moments genuinely connecting with Jesus? So when you sing some words that you're going to see on the screen, it's not just words flowing from your mouth, but it's a deep belief system that when we praise Jesus, when we seek his face, that you'll really do some seeking and you'd sit at his feet. Let's not let another Sunday pass by. Let's really engage with Jesus today. Let's not let our tasks take away and distract from us. Let's really sit at the feet of Jesus and let's really listen to him and let's really be changed by him because there's a lost world waiting for someone to leave this room and share Christ. Will it be you it should be will it be me it should be will it be us let's pray for that because there's a lost world waiting for a ship to come in will you be on it let's sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him this morning would you stand with me Let's pray. Father God, I pray that in this room, as there's people already talking about in their head, about just getting out of the room, about moving on, about this closing down, that you would rid them of that distraction. But God, in these next few moments, that we would really focus in on you. We wouldn't waste time. We would diligently seek your face. Lord, help us to listen. Help us to be obedient. God, help us to really fall in love with Jesus who is in the room. Lord, if there's anybody here, Lord, 
that has not been obedient to follow after you as Savior and Lord, that today they would make that known. God, they wouldn't take another step out of this room without knowing for sure they know you. And Lord, in those steps of knowing you, they would come and find out, what do I do next? What's next? And God, for those of us that do know you, we know the grace and forgiveness and love of Christ. Give us a deep-seated passion to take it out of this room. Give us the heartbeat to share Jesus with all those around us. And let us never be silent. Let us never cower back. But let us be bold in that approach so that we would see people come to know you because of who you are. So Lord, in this moment of invitation, raise us up, Lord. Raise us up. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.